Hi there, and welcome to Global Heart Church. Uh, I'm Jared Keen, the senior pastor, and wherever you are tuning in from around the world today, really, really hope and pray that in our planning of this message that it's going to really inspire you for the great journey that you are on and uh, for the great calling that you have in your own life. So enjoy the message and really pray that it's a blessing to you today. So good. Come on. Let's pray. Let's, uh, let's ask God to speak to us. Hey, now I'm believing to speak to every person. I know there's a whole bunch of people watching us on the live stream, a whole bunch of people here, and I'm believing people can, on the podcast too, Hey, and they experience Jesus, Jesus' encounter as they hear this message. Let's pray together. Father, I pray right now, God, that your word tonight would penetrate every heart. Father, I pray every heart, every mind. Father, I pray start with me, God. I pray speak to me, Lord. Speak to everybody here, Father. Those on the live stream, God, and those who are going to watch on the podcast, Father, I pray speak into our lives and into our circumstances. God, we say that our hearts are wide open to you. God, our minds are wide open to you. Lord, come and speak your truth into us. And God, thank you that whenever there's preaching, God, you always say so much more than the words that are spoken. God, that you have this ability and capacity to speak right into the human condition. And Father, I pray especially right now for any people who are here who are new, God, maybe it's their first time in church or they've only been a few times. Father, I pray speak to them especially tonight. And I pray let tonight be the night they make a decision for you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Come on. You can take your seats and... Uh, I'm really excited to speak to you, real privileged to get the opportunity to speak to you tonight. And um, I was thinking about how that so often in life, if you've lived any, any life at all really, you'd experience at times a sense of feeling lost. You know, sometimes, you know, the news is unfolding in a way that you kind of can feel you kind of lose your sense of grounding, you know, and you lose your kind of perspective, you can feel lost, you know. You can have a challenge in your marriage, you can feel lost, you know, you can have an unexpected sickness come upon you and you can feel lost, you know. I remember my dad, you know, he'd had a long career and then right near the end of his life, well, before he was about to retire, he lost his job and man, it threw him, really threw him, really threw his sense of who he was and his kind of place and purpose in the world. So all kinds of things can happen in our life that can cause us to have this sense of, hey, I feel a bit lost. Now, you can be lost in an addiction, for sure, I identify with that. I had many, many years lost in an addiction. You know, we can be lost even in the kind of the monotony of everyday life. You know, just that kind of getting up, going to work, coming home, looking after the kids, back to going to bed, back to work. You know, just that, that ongoing cycle of life you can get lost in. So there's all kinds, you know, and definitely you can get lost through trauma or abuse, for sure. So there's all kinds of things that can happen to us where we have this sense of feeling lost, but also I think that it's more more than just that feeling of I, life's out of control and I'm lost. I think more than that, in the human psyche or in the human condition, is this sense of, hey, I need to find home. You know, I, I, I need to find home. And ultimately what the Bible says is that that sense that every person has that, that, that drive, that need to find home, ultimately is, this, is looking for God. It, it's, that, it's that necessity to come home to God. It's this awareness that, hey, somewhere along the line, humanity of which I'm a part, we've lost our way. That, that somewhere along the line, we've gone wrong. That there's more to life than just this. That actually, we're created for and to know God. And it's interesting that this sense of home, you'll see it all through 
society or see it in films all the time. I googled films about finding home and I found 20 films with the same title, Finding Home. Yeah, yeah. And even, and lots of other films that aren't even titled in that way are about finding home. Even I was watching the movie Wooly with my kids recently. And, you know, and even that movie is about this little robot trying to find home. So there's this, there's this sense when you talk about finding home that it resonates with humanity. You know, me and my sister, when we were growing up, our family home wasn't always a peaceful place. We didn't grow up, I don't think, in a fantastic home environment. And yet when my mom and my stepdad said, hey, we're going to sell the home, we were both like, no. You know, the home that we grew up in as teenagers, we kind of felt almost betrayed when my parents wanted to sell that home because there was this sense of, I have some root or some grounding in that place. So within human condition, it seems to be that there's this longing for this place called home. And when you think about it, you know, is home really a building or a place? No, it's not. It's probably, it's more like a relationship. Home is the place where you can be authentic and real. The place where you can be known and you can know. The place where you come to a soft landing. You know, I love hearing Pastor and Sue talking about when we're parents, we need to be creating an environment at home for our kids. It's a soft landing. That they go out into the hostility of the world, but when they come home, they land into this place of welcome and love, and it's a soft landing for them. That's the kind of thing I think we're really looking for when we talk about home. We're looking for authentic and real relationship. And the Bible says that the reason this is in humanity is because we originated in being in a place where we were at home with God. That when God made Adam and Eve, they lived in perfect harmony with God and listen, and with each other. Perfect harmony with God, perfect harmony with each other. Perfect harmony with everything God created. Since Adam and Eve, you know, got this privilege to name all the animal species, right, that God created. So there was this incredible relationship and intimacy between Adam and Eve and God and the rest of creation. And yet it says that Adam and Eve made this decision to rebel against God. They made this decision to turn from God, and it fractured the world. And ever since then, if you like, humanity's been trying to find its way home. Humanity's been trying to find their way. We've been trying to find our way back to God. And Jesus talks about three stories that talk about this, three stories. And and they all teach the same point, which is they're ultimately about lost people finding their way home, but there's kind of three states of lostness. The first one is the lost sheep. It's Luke chapter 15, Four to seven, it says this. Suppose one of you has a hundred sheep and lost one. Wouldn't you leave the 99 in the wilderness and go after the lost one until you found it? And when you found it, you can be sure you would put it on your shoulders rejoicing. And when you got home, call all your friends and neighbours saying, celebrate with me. I've found my lost sheep. Count on it. There is more joy in heaven over one sinner's rescued life than over 99 good people in no need of rescue. Come on, come on, the lost sheep. You know, if you talk to a shepherd about sheep, you'll find that they will say, hey, sheep get lost through distraction. Sheep are not the most intelligent of animals. And what can happen with a sheep is it sees a tuft of grass, eats a tuft of grass. It sees another tuft of grass, eats another tuft of grass. The next minute, looks around, it's lost. You know, it's basically just kept following its nose and it's ended up somewhere. It's like, I don't know how I got here. I don't know how I got here. Anybody identified, don't raise your hand. But, but sheep, they get lost through distraction. They get lost through distraction. Hey, we can get lost through distraction. 
You know, the distraction of everyday life. I get up, I work, I eat, I sleep. Houses, cars, holidays, friendships, marriage, kids, socials, news feeds, and Netflix, you know? And we can get, just in the ordinary, everyday life, we can find that we get distracted from ever really pausing to ask the big questions. Hey, why am I here? Is there a God? Hey, what's the purpose of life? Does there have an ultimate plan and a purpose for me? Is there something I'm actually created to do? Is there a reason that I'm here on planet Earth? Some of these big questions, you know, we don't ever ponder them because we're so distracted by the busyness of everyday life. And so I want to encourage you that Jesus is saying, for some of us, we get lost through distraction. He tells another story, it's the story of the lost coin. It's in Luke 15, 8 to 10, it says this. Well, suppose a woman has 10 silver coins and she loses one. Doesn't she light a lamp, sweep the house and search carefully until she finds it? And when she finds it, she calls her friends and neighbours together and says, Hey, rejoice with me. I've found my lost coin. In the same way, I tell you, there is rejoicing in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner who repents. The lost coin it speaks to being lost through carelessness. Carelessness. She's dropped the coin. She's misplaced the coin. She hasn't taken kind of proper care for the coin. You know, and, I, and we can get lost like that in the same way through carelessness. Now we can, you know the old saying, he was in the wrong place at the wrong time. You know, what are they talking about? They're saying that person lived carelessly. That person lived carelessly. They didn't value themselves or where they put themselves. They didn't consider the people they were hanging with. You know, oh, he's in the wrong company. He's not a bad kid, but he gets in with the wrong crowd. You know, that was my MO when I was a kid, you know. It was like that kind of, this person's actually not giving any value to who they are. They've not actually got a hold of their value and their worth. And so they're putting themselves everywhere and anywhere, you know. And I know for me, when I, you know, my story is that I became a heroin addict and a crack cocaine addict before I became, you know, a Christian. And, and the reality is when I think back to that, a lot of it was carelessness. A lot of it was I just let my life take me along to this group of people, to this place, to that group of people, to this holiday. And I just kind of let it kind of take me. I wasn't considering, hey, where's this going? You know, where are these people going? You know, is it wise for me to be in this situation? No, 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 I was just kind of floating through life. It looked like care, like I was carefree, but actually it was careless, you know, careless. I would say, I'm a hedonist, I'm just living life. Really, I was just living completely carelessly and recklessly. Well, there's a, there's a guilty laugh there. <laughs> you know, when I was um, in the UK, I, I knew this, there was a guy in our church who, he was um, training to be a doctor, you know, and he was, he was at the hospital and he was doing his, his kind of placement before he was like a fully-fledged uh, doctor. And um, this guy was really reckless, really reckless. Like he loved extreme sports, on the edge, kind of dangerous type stuff. You know, we used to say to him, man, you're, 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 you go past the edge, you know, you're, you're careless, you know, but you couldn't, you couldn't tell him, you know. And, uh, and I went out with him one time and we went um, mountain boarding, which is like kind of skateboarding, but with a bigger board and great big wheels down these kind of hills. And we lived in Dorset in the UK and it's like rolling hills, green rolling hills. So we went down this hill and, uh, and we both come up, crashed and I bruised my ribs so badly um, it took months to heal, right? I really bruised my ribs and he slid open his lip 
When we got to his car, he got out some super glue and glued up his lip with super glue. And I said, what are you doing? This is crazy. And he goes, look, it's pretty much the same thing we use at the hospital. He says, now when you glue wounds, it's pretty much the same thing. I was like, oh, mate, you are reckless. You know, it's like, this is, this is out there. This is out there. And the reality is this, that he was a smart person, but he was a reckless person. There was something in him that didn't give due care to himself, you know. Some years later, I heard about him going on a trip from, this is when I was living in the UK, to New Zealand. And people said, hey, he jumped off a massive cliff into the water and he never came up. Never came up, you know. And then they sometime had found his body, you know. And then I remember going to his funeral, you know, and thinking, man. But you know what? People weren't surprised. They weren't surprised because he never really got a hold of I need to take care of my life. I shouldn't live carelessly. I have value and worth. God's got a plan and a purpose for me. I need to take some care for myself. Valuing ourselves is so important. And we need to be careful that we don't get lost through carelessness. The final story that Jesus tells is about the lost son. The lost son. And this story, I'm not going to read the passage because it's a big piece of text. But I'll paraphrase it for you. What happens is that the son goes to the father and says, hey, give me my inheritance now. So before the dad's dead, the son wants the inheritance. The dad says, okay, he sells his estate or part of his estate and he gives the son his split. And the son goes off and it says he lives his life in wild living. You you can put in those brackets, wild living, you can make up what's inside them, right? But he lives this life out there on the edge. And it says that he spends all of his money, he loses all of his fair weather friends, right? He ends up in a place of helplessness and hopelessness. And it says that he gets to a place where he's feeding pigs. And he says he longs to eat what the pigs are eating. He's talking about a rock bottom. He's saying he's really got to a place where he's now at the end of himself. That he's made this conscious decision, hey, give me what's mine, Dad. I don't care about you, Dad. I just want want what you can give me. But now he's at the end of himself. And it says that he makes a decision eventually, I'm going to go home. And I'm going to say to my dad, don't restore me as a son but just let me be one of your servants because my father's servants, the people who work for him are in a better place than I am right now. I'll be better off working for my dad than where I am right now. So he makes a decision, he goes home and the Bible says that while he is still a long way off, the father sees him coming home. So here to check this, the father's been looking out for him the whole time. Ever since he left, the father is eagerly waiting for him to return. It says that the son is walking home, the father sees him, the father begins to run to the son. Now the picture in the scripture says that the father runs. In those days, the father would have run, wore like, almost like a, a long kind of dress, almost like a, like a long shirt that went down to his feet. And it says for him to run, a man, an uh, older man to run, he would have had to have hitched that thing up in a, very, in a way that was very embarrassing and humiliating so that he could run towards his son. But such was his passion for his son that he did not care what he looked like. Did not care what he looked like. Ran to his son, embraces him. And the son begins to deliver the planned speech. You know the speech, I'm so sorry, would you forgive me? He can't even get the words out. And the father says to him, hey, bring a ring and put it on his finger. Hey, put sandals on his feet. The father is restoring to the son everything that's been lost. It's just this beautiful story of grace and acceptance and love. But the son in the story, he got lost through conscious choice. Conscious choice. He made a decision. I'm not following the rules. I'm not going to abide by the laws. I'm not going to go by the values of my culture and of society. 
I'm going to be a rebel. I'm going to do it my way. You know, he makes this conscious decision. You know, it's like when people say, I'm an atheist, you know, and what are they saying? I'm not accepting God. I'm not even open to the idea of God, you know. You know, we're saying, I'm doing it my way. I'll do what the way I want to do it, you know. But it says that when he gets to the end of himself and he comes to God, that all he finds is love, acceptance, grace, mercy. I love it. And the other thing it talks about, a party happens in heaven when people make a decision, hey, I'm lost, I want to come home. But in this one, it talks about the person coming home, hey, to a loving Father. And that's our Father in heaven, hey. He's waiting for you and I, waiting for us to make a decision. No matter how far we've gone, how far from Him we have run, we can always turn around, hey, and come home. And He's going to be waiting for us with open arms. I love it. And I tell you what, just like that son thought there was going to be judgment, isn't that so many people in our society? that they think, hey, if I come home to God, if I go to church in my time of need, what I'm going to receive is judgment, but actually what we're going to receive is grace. You know, it's the kind of the big deception, right? That actually God's harsh, He's going to hold us and punish us, but actually He wants to love us and forgive us, you know. So the person that's lost through distraction, he searches for the lost sheep. The person who's lost through carelessness, he searches for the lost coin. And the person who's lost through conscious choice, he actively waits for their return. Friend, this is the God. This is the God that we're talking about. Now, God wants to be in your life and in my life the thing by which we navigate life by. God wants us to put our hope, our trust, our faith in Him, and He's going to help us navigate through all the seasons of life. Right? He's going to enable us to live the life that He intends for us. And there's this, in a sense, you could say Jesus is like a compass for your life, a compass for your life. Hey, you know that when an explorer or someone is navigating using a compass, what they really want is that compass to be on true north. And there's also something called magnetic north. What it means is when you're near the polar caps or you're near a mountain range, that there will often be a magnetic pull towards those things that will cause your, your compass to be off. Usually only by about half a degree. So the difference between true north a magnetic north is only about half a degree. It's very small. So it, it means this, that when you start off, if you're on magnetic north, you're sort of true north, but for a little while you won't notice. But over time, it becomes very different. And over the expanse of a lifetime, it becomes drastically different. There's a pull of magnetic north, which is the world, that is pulling and calling you and I to, hey, to live its way. The Bible says there's a prince of the air, right? The devil who controls this world. And he says that he has a plan and a destiny for your life too. And you know what? He doesn't come to you and go, hey, do you want a terrible, miserable life? Here's what he says to you. Hey, just, just have half a degree of difference. Hey, just have half a degree of difference. Because a half a degree is nothing now. But over the span of your life, it will be huge. The destination where you end up will be completely different to the destination you should end up. So we need to make a decision. If we're going to find home, we need to be following the right person, the right teaching to find it, right? We need to make a decision, hey, I'm going to follow Jesus. I'm going to put my faith and my hope in Him. Friends, you can put true faith and true hope in Jesus, but you can also put false faith and false hope in many things, in many things. You think about it. All throughout the world, there's all kinds of voices that are telling you, hey, I'm going to show you the way to life. You know, sometimes you'll see seven steps, you know, just these seven steps, these seven keys are going to open up for you a whole new life. Or if you practice this philosophy, it's going to lead you to life. Or if you follow this religion this way, you're going to find life. 
But you know what Jesus says? He says, I am the way, I am the truth, and I am the life. He inserts between the way and the life, the truth. So here's what he's saying. I'll show you the way to life, and what I'm telling you is, a tr- is true. And this is what's so profound about Jesus, is he doesn't say, I'll show you the way, and I'll show you the truth, and I'll show you life. He says, I am the way, I am the truth, and I am the life. So he's talking about you can place your hope and your faith and your trust in what? In a person, in a relationship. That actually, as you make a decision, if you make a decision tonight to pray a prayer, to begin a relationship with Jesus, what you're embarking on is a relationship. It's not a philosophy, it's not a teaching, it's not a religion. It's a relationship with God, that the real, true, living God might be personal to you, might begin to guide you in your everyday life, lead you, speak to you, give you a sense of how I'm on the right path now. I'm going the right way now. Hey, I sense I've come home as I've found God. You know, and that's something that will grow over time, but I want to encourage you. We're not asking, we're not putting to you tonight, I'm not propositioning you with a religion or a philosophy. I'm saying, hey, follow Jesus. He is the way, the truth, and the life. And you know what's so awesome about Jesus, what's so amazing about God, is that He left home to come find us that we might come home. Because it says that Jesus came from heaven to earth. Why? that He might die on a cross for your sins and my sins. And that all that separates us from God might be dealt with once and for all. I love this. I love this. He's reconciling, making amends for all the wrongs that have ever been done by the whole of humanity so that everyone may freely come home to God. I love it. He leaves the comfort of heaven and comes to the hell of earth. That's the reality. Comes and lives the reality of life hard faces every challenge, every temptation, everything that you and I face, He faces and yet He never sins. It's incredible. Then He makes a decision to lay down His life. God lays down His life for His people. Friend, there is no other religion like this. Every other religion tells you work to be good enough to come to God. Do certain things that God might find you acceptable. Hey, offer sacrifices in your place that you might come to God. But the God that we follow, Jesus says, hey, I, God, will sacrifice myself for you, that you might come to me. You don't have to do anything. You just gotta receive the gift that I'm giving to you. Come on, come on, come on. You know, you're never too far from God. You're never too far from God. Listen to what it says in Luke 15, 4. It says, suppose one of you has a hundred sheep and he lost one. Wouldn't you leave the 99 in the wilderness and go after the lost one until you found him? Here's what God's saying. He's not looking for Christians. He's not looking for Christians. God is looking for people who don't know him. God is not looking for the people who are found. He's looking for the people who are lost. Now he loves all of us, right? So don't hear what I'm not saying. But his attention He's focus. He's looking for those who don't yet know Him. People who think, hey, I'm not part of that. Hey, I'm excluded from that. I don't fit with that. You know, I'm not a church person, whatever a church person is. You know, it's, it's those people. It's, those, it's, it's us that God is looking for. <laughs> it's us that God is looking for. God came for me and I let Him find me. <laughs> God came for me and I let Him find me. You know, 23 years ago, I made a decision to pray a very simple prayer and to invite Jesus into my life. You know, and I was a broken down, end of the road heroin addict. I was in a mental hospital in a place called Dartford in the UK, in a psychiatric hospital. And a guy came and he told one of these stories. He told the story of the prodigal son. The son who basically 
had made a decision to consciously rebel against his father. As he told the story, something resonated with my heart. I couldn't intellectually describe it to you, but something happened to me. You know, I felt some connection, something, some spiritual awakening, something began to happen that was outside of me. And I made a decision, okay, I'm going to allow myself to be found by God. You know, I sensed, I think God's on my case, you know, and I don't know anything about God. You know, this was the thing with me was I couldn't articulate with you. I had no idea what God was. I just heard one story, right? But I made a decision that night and I knelt down, I prayed a prayer, God, if you're real, show yourself to me. And you know what? As soon as I opened up to God, God opened up everything to me. It was as I said, God, are you real? God was like, yes. You know? And I, you know, from that point on, I kept meeting Christians everywhere I went. Because when I prayed the prayer, God, if you're real, show yourself. I didn't know to which God I was praying. I thought, you know, I don't know. Is, is it Allah? I don't know who it is I'm praying to. You know, I just pray, I'd pray God, general, right? And then I kept meeting Christians, which made me think, oh, this must be the true God. You know, this must be, I've prayed the prayer, God's revealing himself to me. And I remember it was uncanny. Everywhere I meant, I meant Christians. You know, I went to a, a, a rehab. And I got to the rehab. And I shared a room with a guy. I said to him, hey, a weird thing happened to me when I was in the mental hospital. This chaplain came in and told a story from the Bible. He goes, oh, yeah. He goes, let me tell you all about Jesus. I was like, oh, fantastic. He goes, yeah. He goes, Jesus died for your sins, Spencer. He died upon a cross that you might be forgiven and set free. If you put your faith and hope in him, he can save you. You can be forgiven of all your sins. And he can launch you into a brand new beginning. Your old past can be gone. You can be made brand new. I said, awesome. You're a Christian. He said, no, my mummy's. <laughs> Literally what he said to me. He said, no, I'm not a Christian, but my mum's hardcore into it. And so I'm just telling you what she's always telling me. Come on, God will use an unbeliever to preach to you if he needs to, hey? A couple of days later, a guy comes in the rehab, he's holding a Bible. I say to this guy, hey, so you're reading the Bible. I said, this weird thing happened. I was telling the story. He says, hey, why don't you come and meet my pastor? I said, can I bring my friend? I said, sure. My friend came, the guy I shared a room with, and we both knelt down, prayed a prayer, gave a life to Jesus. You know, and I remember when I prayed the prayer, I had no idea what I was doing. I did not understand everything. I did not have everything worked out. But I had enough of an experience to know what, this, what is in this has got to be better than I'm currently experiencing. You know, I've tried it my way for, for a whole bunch of years and it's not been great. I'm just going to give God a go. I'm just going to, well, I've got nothing to lose. I've got everything to gain. If this turns out to be fraudulent, I lose nothing. But if it turns out to be real and I turn it down, I lose everything. Come on. Come on. You know the story, I want to finish with this, you know the story of the lost sheep. It says that he finds the sheep and he puts it on his shoulders and he carries the sheep home. Man, God wants to carry you through your biggest challenge, your most broken place. He wants to get you and put him on his shoulders. When you can't walk, he wants to carry you. He wants to carry me. He wants to hold us and help us. And you know what? That's exactly what he did when I was a broken down hearing addict. He put me on his shoulders. He carried me. When I, and he did for me what I could not do for myself. And do you know what he's doing today? He's still doing for me what I cannot do for myself. Because his grace and his love and his mercy is changing me and helping me and strengthening me. And I want to encourage you today. Open up to God. Open up to God. Come on, let's stand. We're going to sing to him right now. Come on.
what I want to do now, and we do this every service, is where we give people an opportunity to open up to God. This really is the most important part of the service, where you get an opportunity to say, hey God, would you come into my life? Hey God, I open up my life to you. I want to be found by Jesus. I want to come home to God. So I want to encourage you, why don't you close your eyes, bow your heads. I want to give people a moment to focus. And if right now you're saying, hey, yes, yeah, Spencer, pray with me. I want to know this God that you're talking about. I want to know a God that is personal. I want to know a God that wants to lead me in my everyday life. I want to know a God who's going to carry me when I can't walk for myself. I want to know a God who's going to be with me through every season of life. I want to know a God who's going to forgive all of my sins. I want to know a God who loves me unconditionally, doesn't judge me or condemn me, but loves me as a son. Friend, I want to encourage you. If that's you and you're saying, yes, Spencer, pray, pray with me. I want to pray a prayer and invite God in. On the count of three, raise up your hand. From the front to the back, the left to the right, raise up high, put up strong. You're saying, hey, Spencer, pray with me. Maybe you're going to pray this for the first time. Or maybe you're saying, hey, Spencer, pray with me. I need to recommit my life to God. But here we go on the count of three, front to back, left to right. If that's you, shoot your hand up high. One, two, three. Awesome. So good. Keep raising them. Keep raising them. Awesome. You want to invite God in for the first time. We want to recommit your life to Him. So good. I see you there, young man. Great. I see you there. See you over there, sir. Fantastic. Fantastic. Who else? Who else this evening? Raise up high. Raise up high. I don't want to miss you. God's speaking to you. Maybe your heart's racing. Join these other hands. Keep raising them. Keep raising them. So good. So good. Awesome. Awesome. Hey, if you raise your hands, you can put them down. Let's give these people a hand. Well done. Well done. So good. So good. That's awesome. That's awesome. Hey, we're just going to do one more thing. We do this every Friday night. And the band's going to play in just a moment. As they play, if you raise your hand, hey, just come and fill up this area here. And I'm going to lead you in a very simple, very powerful prayer has the capacity to cause you to start a relationship with God. So if you raise your hand, hey, you come. But listen to me, if you didn't raise your hand, but you know, man, I should have. I wanna go for God. Hey, you come too, okay? So if you raise your hand, you come. If you didn't raise your hand, you come. And just finally, the last thing, if you brought a friend tonight, lean across to your friends as the band plays and say to them, hey, do you wanna go down? If they say yes, would you bring them? Is that cool? So if you raise your hand, you come. If you didn't raise your hand, but you need to come, you come. If you've got a friend tonight, ask them and bring them. Let's Come on, let's sing. So good, if you raise your hand, you come. If you didn't raise your hand, but you know you need to come, you come. If you brought a friend tonight, lean across, ask your friend if they wanna come. there's still time to come. If you need to come, just say, excuse me, step out of the road. Hey, don't wait till next week. Do it now. Do it now. God, if God's speaking to you, don't miss the moment. Hey, if you've got a friend you brought tonight, ask your friend if they want to come. give all these people a big hand of come. Well done. Well done. Well done. So good. So good.
Hey, I'm going to pray a prayer now. I want to encourage you to follow me in this prayer. Hey, the key to the prayer is to just be sincere. That means to mean it with your whole heart. So why don't you close your eyes if that helps you. I'm going to pray. Follow me as we do. And everyone who's a believer, you follow along too. Here we go. Lord Jesus, I come before you now. Forgive me, God, for living life my way. I make a decision today to live life your way. I believe that Jesus Christ died on a cross and rose again for me. I put all my hope and all my trust in what Jesus did on the cross. Fill me, God, with your Holy Spirit. Empower me, God, to live for you all the days of my life. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Thank you so much for joining us online today. Really great to have you with us. And special thanks to those also who give online. Your generosity is making the way for others to hear the message of Jesus, both here in Australia and around the world. If you enjoyed today's message, I'd love to encourage you to share this message with a friend, a workmate, a family member. And let's believe together that it will powerfully impact their life for good in Jesus' name. If you're unable to be with us at one of our church locations, uh, both here in Australia and around the world, please join us online every Sunday for Global Heart at Home on YouTube. God bless and have a great week.